Hey guys, Pastor Adam here. I'm so glad that you are tuning in to one of our powerful messages we believe will elevate your faith and take your life to the next level. At Elevate, we believe that the Word of God is our blueprint and we build our lives on the truths found in God's Word. We know that this message will help you grow in your walk with God and develop your faith so that you can become all that God has for you. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as we listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. You know what that means? That means our conference is coming up, all right? Now, last, last year, a few of you, you, you didn't realize the dates of the conference, and you were unable to be here for it. And so this, this announcement was for you, that March 8th through the 10th, 8th through the 10th is our Elevate Conference, and we've already begun. The theme of the conference is you, and the subplot is it's all about him, all right? So the theme is you, but it's all about him. And so I want you to just begin to pray and think about that as we prepare for the Elevate Conference. We have some exciting announcements around that conference that are going to be coming up in the near future, and so I, I know I'm excited already. I'm already looking forward to it, and hopefully you are as well. Right now, the best thing that you could do is block that out on your, on your digital ca calendar and mark it out that you are going to be here. Give Jesus the weekend. Just put it right there, March 8th, 9th, and 10th, Elevate Conference. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. Every year it gets better, so we're looking forward to all that God wants to do this year. All right, I want to thank everyone. Last night we had our trunk or treat, and I want to thank all of the teams. We had a bunch of our teams working that event. I want to thank our experienced team led by Johnny and Jen, E-Kids, Julie and the whole squad was coming together, and then, of course, our REACH team with Rich and Hilda. All of our teams got together and really did a tremendous job, put on an amazing, amazing uh, event for our community, and uh, I had a great time, and just seeing everybody working together and just having a great time. There's something about the community of the Lord. When we get together, it's just awesome. It's just awesome to be together, and no matter what we're doing, it could be on a Sunday morning, but also could be on a Saturday night, and uh, just having a wonderful, wonderful time, and so thank you to all that were a part of that. Uh, we, appreciate, we appreciate all of your work on that. I just want to let you know that if you've come this morning and you've, you've, you've brought a tithe or an offering to give to the Lord. Uh, we want to thank you for that. We want to remind you about that. And, and if, you're, if you're a part of the, the house of the Lord and God's brought you into this church, one of the things that you've said is that I want to give my whole life to God. And uh, your whole life actually involves your whole life. And, and one of the pieces of your life is your financial life. 
And we all have that. We want to we wanna offer our best and our first to the Lord. That's what the tithe is. The tithe is your first and your best. So as God brings increase into your life, you say, I'm going to honor God with that increase. I'm going to bring the Lord my first and my best. I'm going to offer that to the Lord. And when you do, all the rest gets blessed. And so I want to thank every person. There's so many, there's so many faithful givers to the Lord, so many faithful tithe, tithe payers that, that say, you know what, with the first fruits of my increase, I'm going, to, I'm going to offer to God what he asks for, what belongs to him. And as you've done that, you've, you're witness of the blessing of God over your life. You're living proof that God honors his word and does what he says. And so I want to thank you for that. And I also want to encourage everyone else that if you have not learned to be a regular giver of your finances, you're making a mistake, you're missing out. And I want to challenge you today to put God first, make him give, bring your first and your best to the Lord and see what he does in your life. You'll be, you'll be astounded at, at what God will do. Amen. Let's get into the word this morning. How many came to hear a word from the Lord today? I, I hope that, that you have because I've brought a word that I think is going to help, help you this morning. And, uh, Last week, if you were not here, um, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to last week's message. You can find it on our YouTube channel. You can find it at the different podcast uh, um, uh, channels. But last week, we talked about the end times. We talked about the return, the second coming of Jesus. And we, we corresponded that message with what we see happening, the current events that are happening in, in the war at, in the Middle East with Israel. And so I want to challenge you, if you did not hear that message, I want to strongly encourage you to to listen to that. It's probably one of the more important messages I've ever spoke. It was a difficult message to speak, and, uh, but, but I, I, think, I think it's relevant to what we're seeing happening in our world, because how many would re recognize, it's been a crazy couple of weeks. It's been a crazy, crazy couple, maybe three weeks in my life personally, but it's also been crazy few weeks in the world at large, in our world globally. As you know, Carrie and I uh, just got back from front row seats to what's going on uh, in the Middle East with this conflict that's happening in Israel. And uh, we had to, in that time that we were there, we had to navigate uh, the sadness and the fear and the anxiety of that situation in real time. And, and, and along with that, we got to experience the excitement and the nervous energy that was a part of a evacuation, like a real life, you know, movie style evacuation operation out of a war zone, which was, which was crazy and insane and wild. You can hear all about it this week on the Street Gospel podcast because we recorded that on Thursday. I think it comes out tomorrow, so listen for that. But it was one of those wild experiences for me personally. But I, I can say that corresponding with what I was experiencing personally has been a wild time for the entire world globally. Right? Are you with me today? And so as we sit here this morning, we're living in crazy times. Like wild, crazy times, crazier than we've probably ever experienced in our life. We talked about last week, the nation of Israel. It's the size and the, and, and the, and the um, uh, um, um, population of a state like New Jersey. So it's just a small little tiny sliver on the map. But right now we know it's the center of attention of the entire world. And for the first time in 50 years, this nation, this tiny little nation is at war. And, and what we're seeing and hearing about now is there, that we're on the doorstep of hand-to-hand -hand combat, boots on the ground. I mean, military strategists are saying this is the closest we've ever been to world war. Um, 
This, this, is, this is wild stuff. And I think as a church, we have a responsibility to pray that cooler heads would prevail. This is not what we want. We're not looking for escalation. We're not looking for the widening of this conflict. That's not what we want. We do not want to see collateral damage that is a part of every war. We don't want that. We don't want innocent people on either side of the conflict to suffer. We don't want any of this. And so we have a responsibility as the people of God in this time, in this hour, to pray. Are you with me today? Last week, I took a several days in prayer and fasting for what's happening in our world, and I would challenge you to do the same, to really honestly pray and ask God, because how many, how many know we serve a shalom God? He's the God of peace. He's a, he's, a, he's a peaceful God. He provides peace that passes all understanding. We need that kind of peace in our world today, and so we want to pray for that, all right? But all of this that's going on, it does lead to questions. It leads to a lot of questions, and the questions that we should be asking as Christians is this. Are we nearing the last hours of the end times? Are, are we there? Are, are the nations that are aligning right now, that we're watching happening on the news, are they aligning in what was prophesied in Ezekiel 38 and 39? Is that what we're looking at right now? Is that what's going on? Is, is all of this global uproar and protest and division that's trying to sneak its way into the church, is, is all of this what was prophesied? Because I think when you look at the world and you see what's happening, what we'd all recognize is that there's a whole lot of shaking going on. That's the title of this message this morning. There's a whole lot of shaking going on. I had no idea that I'd wake up with wind howling and all kinds of things being blown over. If you were in the 830 today, the back door was shaking the whole time I was preaching. I had no idea that would be the case when I titled this message. There's a whole lot of shaking going on. And we could be talking about what's happening in the Middle East in this war with Israel, but we also could be talking about your life. Because all of, our, all of us go through seasons and times in our life where there's a whole lot of shaking going on. There's times we all experience where there's disruption and there's confusion. Is, am I talking to anybody today? There's chaos. There's uncertainty. And, and, and because life is like that. Life has a way of dishing out disruption. I mean, one thing after another. And so this morning what I want to do is we're going to talk about disruption. We're going to talk about chaos and confusion, all of those things. But we're going to do it in the context of Hebrews chapter 12. And so if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn there this morning. Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to read four verses today. And they'll, they'll probably confuse you as we read them today. But we're going to break them down and take a look at it, what it says. Hebrews chapter 12, uh, uh, 25 through 29 is where we'll be. And I think the reason that this text this morning is a little bit confusing is because I think Hebrews is probably, with the exception of Revelation, at least in the New Testament, is probably one of the harder books to understand. And, and the reason it's hard, because you have, to, you have to understand who this book was written to. It was written to Jewish people who were steeped in Jewish, Jewish tradition, um, who had a, a sacrificial system that they were a part of. And, and, and when you're reading this book, you have to have a little bit of background in that to understand what in the world is being said. Are you hearing me today? But basically, Paul is writing to Christian Hebrew people who are living in difficult times. They're living in hard circumstances, and, 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 and they have this unique relationship with God. And, 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 and they have this unique way of, of getting their lives and their hearts right with God. It's a very unique way of, 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 of relationship with God. And so 
in the Hebrew, the book to the Hebrews, Paul is writing to the Hebrew people, and sometimes it gets a little discombobulated in our mind what he's trying to say. But I'm going to tell you right now, the basic theme of the entire book is this. Don't give up. Like when you read the book, you're, you're basically, you're reading one particular subject that kind of is, it kind of weaves itself through the whole book of Hebrews, and, and, it's, and this theme is this. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up. In spite of the challenges that you're facing, in spite of the difficulties that you're going through, the uncertainties in your life, these Christian Hebrews are facing all of this stuff, but Paul's writing to them, and he's saying, I don't want you to give up. I don't want you to quit. Don't, don't give up just because things are out of sorts, just because everything is chaotic. I want you to keep going. I want you to keep pushing. And so today we're gonna focus on Hebrews chapter 12. And I think that these, this cluster of, of, of scriptures, it speaks directly to us at this time. I think it speaks to our situation in this hour, and I think it gives us timely instruction of what are we to do as believers, as followers of Jesus, what are we to do when everything's messed up and everything's crazy? Even in the chaos of your life, maybe personally, what do we do in the middle of all that? Hebrews chapter 12, starting with verse 20, 25, it says this. It says, see that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape, when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he's promised yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is the things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken will remain. Therefore, let us be grateful because we've received a kingdom that cannot be shaken and let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Amen. This text basically is saying that there's a whole lot of shaking going on. And, and I, I know this text can be a little bit confusing and we're going to break it down this morning. But, but basically, Paul's writing and he's saying this. He's saying that in your life, and throughout the seasons of your life, there's going to be some shaking. There's going to be disruptions. There's going to be warnings. And Paul's writing, he says, when there's shaking like that, and when there's interruption in the normal, uh, normal things that happen in life, when, when your life gets out of sorts, when you're faced with things that, that maybe are messed up, and your, your life feels discombobulated, and you're experiencing disruption, this is actually an alert for you. This actually, God provides this. The reason that we go through these things is because God's trying to say something. And so when things are chaotic, it should be a wake-up call because it means God's trying to say something. Did you hear me today? So when chaos and confusion becomes the norm in our world, it's because God has something he wants to say. Come on, are you hearing me today? And Paul writes in verse 25, he says, don't refuse him who is speaking. In other words, don't tune out. Paul's writing, he's saying, pay close attention. In our lingo here at Elevate, he's saying, lean in. He's saying, lean in, because God, in the middle of all of this shaking, God has something new he's trying to say. And I think we can notice this, because throughout God's word, every time that God wanted to do something new, it would come on the heels of something chaotic that was taking place. 
Whenever God was trying to do something new, it was, it was right after a crisis or some sort of contradiction or chaos. All of that would lead to what God was trying to do in the world. You can look back to, to, to Abraham, that when God was ready for Abraham to move from the promise he made in Genesis chapter 12 into the oath where God was ready to take action, he would ask Abraham to do something that would not make sense. He would ask Abraham almost to do something that was contradictory. He would ask Abraham to take his son Isaac and sacrifice him and kill him on an altar. Now, how many know that wouldn't make a whole lot of sense if God asked us to do that? Like, that would seem like, wait, wait a second. That doesn't seem right. Like, like God, in Genesis 9, just, just, just a little while ago, you said that it, was con it, it, it wasn't right to murder. It, you, you said you actually condemned murder. When, the, when Cain and Abel and all that took place. And now you condemn it in chapter nine, but then in chapter 12, you're asking us to do it. Like it seems like a contradiction. Yet through a contradiction that would make no sense, God would take the promise that he made to Abraham and turn it into an oath that he was ready to take action on. Are you hearing me today? So God actually created the contradiction in order to create something new in Abraham's existence. Think about it in, in Israel, when Israel was about to leave Egypt. They find themselves in the middle of a contradiction. They find themselves in between a rock and a hard place because God told them to go. God actually created all of these crazy miracles that would enable Pharaoh to kick them out. And so they would leave with freedom. They're excited, they're leaving, they're, they're entering into a new season in their life. But then all of a sudden they look around behind them and all of a sudden the Egyptian army is chasing them. And so God told them to go and then simultaneously he's telling Pharaoh, go get them. And so now the children of Israel, they find themselves in the middle of a rock and a hard place. It's a, it's a middle of a contradiction. It's a crisis that God created. And the reason he created it, the reason he orchestrated this is because he was about to perform the biggest miracle in the, in, the, in the history of the Jewish people. He was about to split that Red Sea, allow them to walk across on dry ground, and then swallow up their enemies with it. He allowed a crisis to enable him to do something he's never done before. Is anybody following me this morning? You can see it in Jesus' ministry, that, that he's has a relationship with Lazarus and his two sisters, Martha and Mary. And, and Lazarus gets sick. And so they come to Jesus and they're saying, Jesus, you gotta do something about this. And Jesus tells them he's not gonna die. He says, chill out, don't worry about it. Then he takes his time going there. He shows up and he, and, and, and he, and he says he's dead. And so there's this massive contradiction. Which one is it? He's not gonna die or he's dead. Like, like Jesus, you know, what's going on? What, what are you doing? Well, he created this contradiction because he's about to do something he's never done before. What was he gonna do? He was gonna raise the dead. He was gonna create a miracle in the experience of Mary and Martha. And so God has a way of using chaos and using things in our world to cause disruption, and the reason he's doing it is because he has something new he wants to say. Are you hearing me today? So when you look at what's going on in our world, especially what's happening in the Middle East, there's one of two things going on. 
We just gotta boil it down. The first thing should get our attention. The first thing is this, maybe what we talked about last week, that the Bible prophesies that the world would arm itself against Israel and, and that would preclude Jesus returning to this earth. And so just what we talked about last week is what's been, it's been proclaimed all over the news this week. And so that one of two things is going on. Either we are on the doorstep of Jesus returning to this earth, the return of Christ, or God is letting our world get so out of control. God's allowing, he, he's allowing all of this crisis and all of this bloodshed, all of, maybe God's allowing all of this because he's using it for a major move of the spirit to bring people to him like never before. It's one of two things. But what we do know is God uses chaos and disruption and crisis to do something new in our lifetime. He's on the verge of doing something new. So when God creates a shaking, it's usually him cra crafting something new. And so in your life, if there's upheaval, if there's problems, if there's, if there's issues in your circumstances, if there's issues in your world or in our world, it's because God's got something new he wants to say. He's got something he wants to insert into your existence. So Paul is writing, and right at the, at the outset of this text, he's saying there's a whole lot of shaking going on. There's a whole lot of shaking going on, but he says, don't refuse him who is speaking. And so the first thing, I think the first instruction we can get from this text is the first thing that we've got to do when there's shaking happening in our world is we got to lean in. Somebody say lean in. We got to lean in. So what do you do when you see a forecast that bad weather is coming? I mean, when you heard that Hurricane Hilda was on the horizon, all right, you began, what did you do? Well, you paid close attention to what the weatherman was saying. All of a sudden, the weatherman has your attention. Why? Because you need inside information because you know something is coming. Are you hearing me today? When you know something is coming, you pay closer attention to someone who knows something about it. So when you're on a plane and you're experiencing turbulence, has anybody been on a plane experiencing turbulence before? All of a sudden, you've been ignoring the pilot the whole flight. You haven't paid attention to what the pilot has said. He's come on the air. Hello, folks. He comes on the air and tries to speak, and most of the time, you just tune him out. But when there's turbulence, and all of a sudden the plane is shaking, and the seatbelt sign is lit up, and the pilot comes on, you pay attention to what the pilot is saying. Why? Because the turbulence caused you to focus on more specific information. So in our world, it's the same way, that when there's turbulence and when there's shaking, God is speaking. And here's the truth, we know that God is always speaking. God is always speaking through his word, but when your life is in crisis, all of a sudden his word becomes specific. In crisis and in chaos, all of a sudden his word provides something specific for me right now. Are you hearing me today? And so when there's a disturbance in your life, when there's a disturbance in your world, when there's a disturbance in your body, God is miraculously able to speak through his word to your specific situation. That's what's so amazing about the Bible. It's so amazing about the Bible. You see, the Bible wasn't written in systematic theology. I think we all wish it was. 
Like we wish that the Bible was organized in such a way that all we have to do is, is turn to, this, to, to a certain section that's dealing with our specific issue and problem of that particular time. But the Bible isn't written like that. You see, systematic theology would bring together all the truth spoken in God's word on a a particular subject, and and, and systematic theology would organize it all together, would kind of of make it so that you can see the whole picture at one place at the same time, but that's not how the Bible was written. The Bible was written by 40 different authors over a 1,500-year time period. It was, it was written according to the situations of that time and of that place. It was written to people who were dealing with things at that moment. It was written personally to people who were dealing with things that had to be addressed. Are you with me today? It was written to be relevant to what was happening at that time. So when scripture, Paul writes, he says there's a whole lot of shaking going on, and then he says don't refuse him who is speaking. What's amazing is God can take things written by 40 different authors over 1,500 years, and then he can allow your circumstance to shake to the point that his word all of a sudden becomes specific to your situation. God is actually organizing circumstances. He's actually creating confusion. He's crafting chaos so that, so that, that, that you have an opportunity to hear something that he wants to do in your life. And so Paul's saying, don't dismiss it. He's saying, don't throw it away. Don't ignore it. God has something specific he wants to say to you in your situation at this time in your world. And look what it says in verse 27. It says that he is removing those things that can be shaken. In other words, the things that have been made so that the things that cannot be shaken can remain. All right, it sounds a little hard to understand, but basically what God's saying is that when God allows disruption in the physical, it's because he has something to say in the spiritual. Are you hearing me today? And Paul's saying the things that can be shaken are the created stuff. It's the things in our physical world. And so Paul says, whenever there is disruption in the physical world, it's because the spiritual world has something it wants to impart into the physical world. But if all you see is what you see, you're not seeing all there is to be seen. Can you look at that for a second? I think it's on the screen. If all you see is what you see, you do not see all there is to be seen. Are you hearing me today? And so here's what, here's what that means. It means when God disrupts what you can see, he wants to do something in, in what you can't see. Did you hear that? But if all you're looking at is what you can see, you're gonna miss what you can't see, which is the whole purpose of God disrupting what you can see. And now you're totally confused, so I'm gonna help, I'm gonna say it again. Come on, I want you to stay with me. When God disrupts what you can see, it's because he wants to show you something that you can't see. But if all you're looking at is what you can see, you're gonna miss what you can't see, which is the whole purpose of God disturbing what you can see in the first place. Are you hearing me today? That means that we've got to lean into the spiritual when there's a disturbance happening in the physical. 
And so when God's creating that shaking, but he's creating that disturbance, it's because there's a spiritual point that he is trying to make at this time. He's trying to get our undivided attention. So he's gonna shake things up in your family. He's gonna shake things up in your physical body. He's gonna shake things up at your work or in your finances. Those are the things that can be shaken. And the reason he's shaking those things is because he's trying to insert something inside of you that can't be shaken. Are you hearing me today? So what new thing is God trying to introduce to me during this disturbance that can't be shaken? What is he trying to speak to me? I wanna lean into that. Somebody say, lean in. Lean in. Verse 28. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom, cannot be shaken. Now, I want, you to, I want you to grab a hold of this. What Paul is saying here, he's comparing things that can be shaken with the things that cannot be shaken. So when God's shaking things in our world, in the physical realm, it's because he's trying to reveal something new in the spiritual realm. Are you hearing me today? So in a shakable world... You and I live in a shaken up world. There's a whole lot of shaking going on. When everything in your world, Paul's writing, is tore up from the floor up, when there's no explanation, what God does is in that shaking, he, 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 he demonstrates that he's still in charge. That he remains over, when everything's out of control, he's still in control. It's like the Royal Guard at Buckingham Palace. Has anybody ever been to London before? Has anybody ever been to London? Well, they've got these famous guards that stand watch over Buckingham Palace, right? And so if it's the queen or the king that's there, um, those, those guys are, are standing at attention. And every, every once in a while, they'll march back and forth but, it's, but it's, it's kind of a thing that tourists do. They try to distract these guys. They try to get them to crack a smile. They try to get them to shake their head. They try to, they try to, get it, try to snap them out of that, that, that state that they're in because they're immovable. They're, they're totally unshakable. And, and, and what you see is that the distractions that they experience on the outside don't mess with what, the, what's, what they're held to on the inside. And so I think that describes what we should be. That's how we should be, that when there's a distraction or a disturbance in the world around us, it's really God trying to demonstrate that he can hold us stable even in an unstable situation, that he can hold us strong even when things are out of control. That, that, what's interesting is about our time while we were in Israel, it appeared that there was going to be no way out. All right, Carrie and I came to the conclusion that we're going to be here for a while, like there, there's not a, 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 there's no answer. There's no way we're gonna get out of here. And we could feel the situation kind of crumbling around us. But what's crazy is even in that situation, we felt calm and we felt at peace. And, and at the same time, we knew this situation isn't good. We knew we gotta get out of here. Like I had people calling me up and saying, man, you guys gotta get out of there. You gotta get out of there. All of you texting me, you guys gotta get out of there. You guys gotta leave. I mean, I was being reminded everywhere I looked, I, there was panic going on, there was fear happening, there was anxiety. They were showing pictures of people trying to get out. They were at the airport, thousands of people freaking out because everybody knew we gotta get out of here. The situation was spiraling out of control, but I knew. I had peace because I knew that in spite of everything being out of control, God was in control. And regardless of what was shaking around me, I knew that I'm a part of an unshakable kingdom. 
Are you with me today? And what's crazy is, is I, I felt that inside. I felt that inside. Now, my son Jordan was pretty stoked when we got evacuated. And the reason he was stoked is because he's been a huge fan of Tim Kennedy. He read the book. He gave the book to me, uh, Scars and Stripes. It's a story about this tremendous leader of a man, a tr tr tremendous guy, an army ranger, a UFC fighter. I mean, just, a, a, just an amazing story. And, and, and so when Tim Kennedy, this, this gentleman, was responsible for our evacuation, Jordan was pretty stoked. All right, you can understand that. And so he started to reach out to the people who had evacuated us. And he, he had conversations going with, with the man that was in charge of, of our operation. And, and uh, he began to, you know, hey, thanks for getting my parents out. You know, I really appreciate it, blah, blah, blah. And, and this man responded to Jordan and he said this. He says, I was so happy to be a part of your, in your parents' evacuation. Your dad had such a calm demeanor versus everyone, we help, everyone else we helped over 300. And so this man was personally in charge with 300 operations. And the thing that he noticed about us is that we were calm. That we were calm. And, and this is not to pump me up. I'm not trying to do that. All right. But the question is, how can you be calm in those situations? Like, how is that possible? I'll tell you how. What I've learned is that when your world is being disturbed, and that's happened a lot in my life. I'm talking when your world is, when cancer strikes your family, when your church is shut down to a stupid, you know, COVID. I've learned that when your world gets disturbed and shaken like that, I've learned to lean in. Because it's in those moments that God is speaking. And when God is speaking, we're to pay careful attention to what he's saying. And so in light of what I'm going through physically, in light of what I'm going through emotionally, in light of what's happening in my family this time, whatever the crisis or disturbance may be for you, God is trying to reveal to you, inject into you, impart into you a piece of his unshakable kingdom in the middle of a shaken world. Somebody shout amen. So we lean into the chaos. We lean into the confusion because we know there's purpose in it. We lean in. That's the first thing we do. We lean in. The second thing, we, as we continue in this text, something else that I've seen in verse 28, he says, he says, therefore, let us be grateful. Somebody say, be grateful. Somebody say, give thanks. Seems a little weird, right? I mean, this, this seems like a kind of a weird instruction because he's saying there's a whole lot of shaking going on. He's saying everything's out of control, everything's messed up, but rather than fuss about it, complain about it, talk about it, freak out, he said, instead, I want you to give thanks for it. That seems strange, and that goes against everything inside of us, right? When everything's messed up, the last thing we wanna do is say, I'm so grateful for this, this is amazing, I'm so glad I'm going through this. I mean, it seems, it seems weird that that's what, that's what the instruction is to these people. And as I began to think about it, I began to realize what Paul's inviting these, these Christian Hebrews who are facing difficult times, what he's inviting them to do is not give thanks for the confusion. He's not telling them to give thanks for the disruption or for the chaos. He's saying, I want you to give thanks for how God is going to show himself strong in the middle of your chaos. He said, I want you to give thanks that God's going to show up in spite of the confusion, regardless of the disruption. So we don't give thanks for the problem. You're giving thanks for the unshakable kingdom of God that's going to show up in the middle of your problem. Somebody shout amen. 
Think about it. How, well, where do you see an illustration of this in the Bible? I think back to when Jesus is ministering to probably 15,000 people. We know at least there's 5,000 men. But probably with, with women and children, there's 15,000. And it reached a point in the middle of his teaching that everybody started getting hungry. It happens a lot here on Sunday. Like all of a sudden I notice, all of a sudden there's some, there's some hunger happening. I, I see people getting a little antsy. Well, this is what happened. Jesus is teaching. He's teaching for a long period of time. And all of a sudden it becomes radically apparent that everybody's hungry. And so Jesus gets with his disciples and says, hey man, we got to take care of this problem. He's got, we got 15,000 people here who are hungry. The disciples are like, Jesus, send them home. They can eat at home. And Jesus is like, no, you take care of them. And so this is a massive problem. So, so, so the disciples go out and they try to collect what's available to eat. And all they come back with is two fish and five loaves. Two fish and five loaves, 15,000 people. That's not going to work. How many would agree with that? that that's not going to work. That doesn't work for your family let alone this massive crowd. But here's the thing that's so crazy is that Jesus took the insufficient amount that he had and the Bible says that he blessed it. The Bible says that he gave thanks for it. He gave thanks for not enough. He gave thanks for the insufficiency. He gave thanks that the problem was too big. I want you to think about that for a second. Jesus blessed the little he had. He gave thanks over a problem. But what I want you to realize is that Jesus wasn't thanking God for the problem. He was thanking God of how God could insert himself into the problem. Are you hearing me today? He was thanking God that God could provide hope in the middle of a hopeless situation. And we know what happened. Everybody there ate and there was 12 baskets of leftovers. And so Paul is saying, guys, I want you to show gratitude even in the middle of a confusing situation because God wants to insert himself into that situation. He wants to inject something into the circumstance of your life that reveals that he's in charge, that reveals that he has the authority in the middle of a crisis that looks out of control. Did you hear that today? And so I want you this morning Whatever's going on, maybe it's in the world and you're, you're freaked out a little bit by what's happening in the world today. Or maybe it's something going on in your personal life where you're, you're, you're facing confusion or, or a crisis or, or something chaotic in your life. And, and, and maybe for you, it's painful. When we look at the world and what's happening right now, it's painful. There's, there's no way around it. When we see what's happening with this war and you see what's happening with the violence, listen, it's painful. It's, it hurts, but we've got to give thanks in the middle of it. We have to thank the Lord because even in the middle of chaos, God is doing something. And so we need to lean into heaven when earth is out of sync. He says, let us show gratitude for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken and let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. And so I want you, we're going to kind of complete this whole cycle. And so the first thing he says, when things are shaking, when there's chaos and confusion and disturbed, he says, number one, I want you to lean in because in the middle of chaos, God is speaking. And then he says, number two, I want you to give thanks that regardless of the chaos, God, God wants to do something in the middle of the chaos. There's purpose in it. There's purpose in the pain, guys. There's purpose in the situation. And then all of a sudden he says, he says, he says in Hebrews 12, he says, now what I want you to do is offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. 
And what he's saying there is, I want you to lean in, I want you to give thanks, but now I want you to get busy. He's not saying I want you to lift up your hands on Sunday and sing really good on key with the worship team. That's not what that means. He's saying I want you to offer up acceptable worship. He's saying I want you to serve. I want you to serve. I want you to offer acceptable service to the Lord. Now, hang with me. He's saying that there's some ministry that he wants you to perform in the middle of your confusing situation. He's saying there's somebody else that God wants you to touch in the crisis where you need God to touch you. Did you hear that? He says there's some opportunity that he wants you to take advantage tied to the thing that you're facing. So as you walk through the valley, your valley of the shadow of death, God says, I want you to offer up to me. I want you to serve me in the middle of that situation. And if, as you do, God says, I will show off an unshakable kingdom in the middle of your shaken world. I'm going to reveal something in the spiritual is what God's saying that's going to insert itself into the physical. It's going to provide stability for you in the middle of what you're dealing with. So we offer acceptable worship. We, we give praise. We give honor to the Lord as we serve him. We adore him, not because of the pain that we're experiencing, but because we have a God that's the Lord, even in the middle of all of our chaos. And then we get to verse 29. So he says, I want you to lean in. I want you to give thanks, and I want you to get busy serving. And then we get to verse 29, and he says, the reason that you can do these things, I want you to really focus here. He says, the reason that you can lean in the reason that you can give thanks and the reason that you can serve is because verse 29 says, it's because our God is a consuming fire. Now you said amen and you're smarter than I am because I couldn't figure out what in the world, what does that have to do with it? What does that have to do with anything? I'm reading this, I'm saying, okay, the reason I can lean in and listen, and the reason I can give thanks, and the reason I can serve is because our God's a consuming fire. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, what are you, what are you trying to say? And I started to kind of figure it out when I started to think about the children of Israel. And we all know the story of the children of Israel, they crossed over the Jordan River, right? And they go into the promised land, and now they've got a big job in front of them. They've got to begin to... To, to take and, and their conquest to take the promised land that God has given them. And so the first stop for them would be a place called Jericho. And we know that Jericho is tightly shut up. It's got these crazy walls around it. They're doing chariot races on the top of these walls, massive walls. And so, and so God, God sends spies, Joshua sends spies into Jericho to kind of check out the land to see what they're dealing with. And so these spies enter in and they end up at the home of a, of a lady by the name of Rahab. How many, how many remember that story? And this woman is super kind to these spies and she tells them, hey man, I've heard about your God. I, I've heard about how he opened up the Red Sea. And she's saying, I have faith in that God. All right, we're on the same page. And we know that as we, as we read the story that she protects them. She actually sends them out a, a different way. Uh, she, she confuses the, the enemy that was after them. And, and, the, and the spies said to, to her, they said, listen, because of your faith, 
Because you've protected us and taken care of us in this moment, um, listen, we're gonna protect. When we come to shut this place down, you're gonna be protected. And when, when everything else is, 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 is going to heck, you're gonna be protected, all right? And so we know the story, and we, we, as, as we began to think about, as I began to think about this, I realized that, that, that when they came, we know that the walls came down. But what we also know is the Bible says that her house was embedded into the wall. All right, her house was embedded into the wall. So when the walls of Jericho fell, like we picture in our minds and we've thought about since we were kids, when the walls fell, it means that not all the walls fell. At least not a small part of the wall. A piece of the wall had to remain standing because the Bible says that Rahab's home was embedded into the wall. So if her house was embedded into the wall, a slice of that wall had to remain standing when all the other walls fell. In other words, Everything around Rahab fell except for the place that she was. God kept her place from shaking even though everything was shaking around her. Are you hearing me today? Even though everything was unstable around her, she had stability in the middle of an unstable situation. And so here's this truth that Paul's revealing. He says, he says our God is a consuming fire. Now, to me, that is good news and bad news. It's good news and bad news. And the way we can come to that realization is we have to understand the Jewish sacrificial system. Because the Jewish people, once a year, would offer an animal as a sacrifice to atone for their sins. And so when he says that we can do these things because our God is a consuming fire, that's good news and bad news. Because it's bad news for the animal. Right, that poor spotless lamb that's gotta be placed on the altar, the fact that God's a consuming fire, bad news. Like that's bad news for that, that animal. He, that's not an exciting uh, thing to think about because the sheep and the goat that's being sacrificed is going to be slain by a consuming fire. All right. It's bad news for the animal. It's the animal is killed, is dead. It's over. Bambi done. All right. Bad news for the animal, but guess what? It's good news for the people because when they can sacrifice that animal, it meant the wrath of God was removed from the people. Bad news for the animal, good news for God's people. It's bad news on one side, it's good news on the other. And so, listen, Paul's saying, in the middle of a crisis, you can lean in, you can give thanks, you can serve, because our God is a consuming fire. And what he's saying is, there's going to be times in our life when everything is being consumed, when it seems like all we're seeing is bad news. Everything that happens is hard, is difficult, is chaotic, is confusing. And we're saying, God, why? Why in the world am I going all, all through this? Listen, it seems like bad news because a consuming fire is bad news on one hand, but it's also good news on the other. That means that if God's consuming this in your life right now, it's because, it's because he's got something new he wants to do on the horizon. Are you with me? So that means I've got good news in bad situations. I've got good news in trying times. 
I've got good news. When my life is turned inside out and upside down, God is doing something. And so Paul's saying, don't quit. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Instead, Adam, I want you to lean in. I want you to give thanks. I want you to get busy serving because there's good news on the other side of this consuming fire. Somebody shout amen because this text is so powerful. It's so powerful because, listen, I think everyone can, can, can agree that, that life is hard, that life is difficult, but we've made a decision. We're not going to walk away from God when things are tough. Paul says, don't refuse him who is speaking. You see, God uses the disturbances in our lives. He uses the difficulties and the chaos and the confusion that every one of us experience because he has something new he wants to say. There's a whole lot of shaking going on right now. There's a whole lot of shaking going on. And maybe for you today, you say, you know what? There is a whole lot of shaking in my life right now. I don't understand what's going on. Listen, could it be that God's trying to get your attention? And if he is, then what we've talked about this morning is so important that you grab a hold of today. What do you do when God's trying to speak? What do we do? We lean in. We give thanks because he's, he's about to do something in our situation, and then we get busy serving because God is crafting something for his glory and for our good. How many believe that today? How many believe that today, that in the middle of our crisis, in the middle of the thing that we don't understand, God is crafting something for his glory and for our good, and so God, we lean in. We lean in. Come on, would you bow your heads and close your eyes all over this room today? God, we thank you. God, we worship you. God, we love you. Oh, you're so good. You're so good. You know, a lot of times when it can be so easy to get drawn into when, we're, when what we're seeing in our world and what we're experiencing is so out of sorts. What can happen is, is Satan's pretty crafty too. And he can try to reel us into this being a physical thing. It's just a, something historical that's going on. Or this is just, this is something political. And Satan will try to take our attention off what he's trying to say in the spiritual. I want, to, I want to challenge you today to not let the enemy win. In those moments when you're, when you're pulled into all of the crazy things going on and you're questioning, and allow yourself to pull back for a moment and say, God, Lord, let me, let, me, let me understand what you're trying to do. I realize, Lord, whenever there's a whole lot of shaking going on, it's because there's something you want to say, and I don't want to refuse the one that is speaking. Paul writes, don't refuse the one who is speaking. God's trying to speak. God's trying to speak to you. He's trying to, he's trying to get specific with you. He's trying to speak to your current situation. He wants to speak into your chaos. He wants to speak into your life. He wants to help you in the middle of the chaos. He wants to inject something that can't be shaken into all that is being shaken. We're a part of an unshakable kingdom. Aren't you grateful for that today? Aren't you grateful today that, 
that everything around you, just like Rahab's house, everything around fell. The whole wall was consumed. The city was destroyed except where she was. God wants to do that in your life. He wants to do that in your life. He wants to do that in your chaos. And all the world, everything could be falling around. Everything can be shaken around you, but you're a part of an unshakable kingdom. And that's why in difficult times, we lean in, we give thanks, we get busy, because we know that God's trying to do something spiritual in the middle of our physical. He's trying to do something in areas that we can't see. So God, we thank you today all over this room. I want to pray for anyone here today and you'd say, man, my life right now is, there's a whole lot of shaking going on. Can I, can I see the hands of those that you'd say, that's me. There's a whole lot of shaking going on in my life, in my mind, in my physical body, in my finances, at my work, in my, uh, in my, in, uh, there's a whole lot of shaking going on. If that's you, come on, lift your hand up all over this room, all over this. I'm, I'm, I'm shaken by the current events. Like it's got my mind. I can't, I can't seem to get it, let it go. Come on, there's a whole lot of shaking. If that's you and you raise your hand or you, you, you would agree with that, just stand to your feet all over this room. There's a whole lot of shaking going on. There's a whole lot of shaking going on. God, we, God, we thank you. Come on, lift your hands all over the room. If that's you and you're standing today and you say there's a whole lot of shaking going on in my life, what are we going to do? We're making a decision. We're leaning into it. We're going to lean into that because God's trying to say something. He's trying to speak something. He's got something specific for you in this moment. In this time, in this moment, God's got something he wants to say. Come on, all over this room, Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you use disturbance, you use the chaos, you use the confusion, you use all of the things that's shaking in our lives to get our attention because you want to speak something. Lord, we want to hear. We don't want to refuse the one who's speaking. We want to hear from you. Come on, ask the Lord. I want to hear from you. Come on, just say that with your, out of your mouth. Come on, with your voice. Say, God, I want to hear from you. I need to hear from you. I need to hear a word from you. God, speak to me in Jesus' name. Come on, say it. Say it out loud. God, I need to hear from you. God, I want to know what you say, God. I want to follow your word, God. Thank you for it. Thank you for your word, God. In the middle of this disturbance, thank you, God, that you lead me. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, the second thing he says, I want you to give thanks. This is difficult. I can tell you from experience, this is difficult to do. It's hard to give thanks when all hell's breaking loose. But you can do it. And you're not thanking God for the problem. You're thanking God that he can show himself strong on your behalf, even in the problem. And so would you do that right where you're standing? Come on, lift your hands. Lift your heart. Lift your, lift your, lift your voice and say, God, thank you. Thank you, God, Lord, that I serve a, a, an, a God of an unshakable kingdom, even in the middle of chaos. Lord, when my physical world is shaking around me, I th I'm thankful, Lord, that for a spiritual kingdom that cannot be shaken. Father, I pray, reveal that to me, God. I thank you for it. I thank you that I'm a part of it in Jesus' name. And then, Lord, we, we promise, Lord, to use our life for you. Lord, we're not going to be so consumed by what's happening in our world, Lord, that we're not able to be a part of our world. God, we want to serve you. Lord, we want to serve you. We want to offer our lives as an acceptable act of worship. Lord, we want to serve you with our hearts. We want to serve you with our lives in spite of our problems, in spite of the trauma, in spite of the chaos, Lord. We know that you can use our lives. Lord, when we need a touch from you, we can touch someone else. 
God, we thank you for that, Lord. We make a decision, Lord, that in the middle of this crisis, we're going to get busy. We're going to get busy. Come on, let's all stand to our feet all over this room, all over this room. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what it says. God, we lean on it in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, can we worship the Lord for a few minutes? Thank you, Lord. If you want my heart. to do. There's something new he wants to do in your life. I, how many believe that today? So God, we thank you for your word. God, there's been, there's people here today have made promises. Lord, they've made declarations to you. They've committed to you. Lord, that even in the middle of trauma, crisis, chaos, disturbance, we're going to lean in. Lord, let us be people that look for your word, that consume your word. God, that are listening for your word, even in trying times. God, let us be people, God, that lean into it. And Lord, let us be thankful because we recognize that even in the circumstance you're doing, you're up to something. You're about to do something. There's a purpose for the pain. There's a purpose for the disturbance. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would be a people, Lord, that would serve in spite of it. Lord, even when everything seems like, ah, what do we do? Lord, we wouldn't sit and cry. Lord, we would get busy. Lord, because you know, we know that you can use us. It's in our weakness, Lord, that you give us strength. It's your grace, Lord, that gets us in through these difficult situations. Lord, help us to push through. Help us to push through, not give up, not throw in the towel, Lord, but actually to achieve all that you have for us, even in the hard times. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Thanks for being here today. Hang out for a little while. Fellowship with your brothers and sisters. We love you guys. See you soon.